come in and buy one board, families will come in within the, the next month and buy a second board because they're fighting over whose turn it is. There are literally hundreds of paddleboard dealers across Canada today. Nearly every city that has water within a short drive has some sort of store that sells stand-up paddleboards. But where did it all begin? Joining me today is Colin Kearns, who owns Island Surf Company in Qualcomm, BC with his wife Sabine. Now, as far as anyone can tell, their shop was the first in Canada to sell paddleboards. And just one note about this episode. There were some technical difficulties when this was recorded, so I apologize in advance for the little bit of static you may hear when Colin is speaking. Stay tuned. This is the Talks Up podcast with your host, Dan Dakin. Colin, thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for calling. You know, I wanted to take the opportunity here uh, at this time of year. A lot of people are are thinking about what kind of boards they're looking at uh, at getting. Maybe you know, maybe buying their first board. Uh, maybe adding to their collection, or you know, getting into racing or something like that. So I thought, who better to chat with than uh, than somebody who? Hey, tell me, you say that uh, you guys were the first shop in Canada, the first store in Canada to carry stand-up paddle boards. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd confidently say that. Um, I think we got our first board in probably late September 2006. And by October, we'd sold our first board. Um, We traditionally a surf shop and one of our suppliers down in Dana Point, California, Infinity Surfboards, was just getting into stand-up paddle boards. And I had a conversation with Steve Bainey and He's like, yeah, you should try these. You should bring you know, some of these boards up to Canada. And I hadn't seen it before. And I said, okay, we'll try it and brought it up. And I didn't think it lasted a month and it was sold. And that was the start of it. We, we ordered more. And this was before production boards were being made in Thailand and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, it was over 10 years ago. And now the shop itself, uh, Island Surf Company, as it's known now, I guess, had been around, uh, certainly had been around prior to 2006, right? Just to give me a quick quick history of the, the store. Yeah, we've gone through a few reincarnations uh, since 1998. We started up in Qualicum Beach um, as the surf shop Qualicum Beach uh, in March 1998. And then we moved out. We were in Qualicum for about two and a half years, and then we moved out into the country where we are now, and we, we renamed ourselves Island Longboards. And then there was a bit of a history and a change of ownership where I'd sold the store to one of our employees in 2010, and he changed the name to Island Surf Company. We got the shop back in 2013 and just left it at Island Surf Company because I thought the the Island Surf Company was more inclusive with shortboards and stand-up paddleboards instead of just island longboards, which we kind of pigeonholed ourselves a little bit. Right, right. And now tell me about the the store today. Um, how big of a of a location is it, and what's your what's your customer like? Well, we've been in this location now over fourteen years. Right now, we're sitting with about four thousand square feet of retail space. Um, still traditionally a surf shop. You know that's our bread and butter. Our customer base, because we're on on the way to Tofino, like we're not in town. Like somebody that was going to come to our shop would need a car, so. You know, most of our 
our customers are a little older, and I'd say probably the average age of our customer probably runs about 35, um, and they're either going surfing or or stand-up paddleboarding. That's all we really do, and, and wetsuits. And how much have you seen the industry, specifically the, the stand-up industry, you know, change in, in 10 years? Uh, um, it, it's obviously to the point now where, you know, you can get a stand-up paddleboard in just about every major city. What have you seen? What it, what what kind of changes have you seen to that that sector of the industry? Oh, it's changed incredibly. I mean, when it, when we started, it was really just a surf sport. It was an oversized surfboard um, that you could stand on that wouldn't sink under your weight that you would go catch waves on. And you look at it now with the racing, yoga, uh, guys are going down rivers, I mean, fishing, ugh, it just, it's incredible. I mean, for, for us being kind of really core and old school, it was like seeing those changes were astounding. And at some, at some times I was like, well, really, why would you want to do yoga or understand the paddleboard if you could just do it on a mat on the floor? You know, everybody seemed to want to do their thing on the stand-up paddleboards. But I don't know, now, 10 years later, it's, it's still... You know, it's finding its niche, I think, out there um, with the customer base and um, you know what people want to do on it. And in terms of, of Vancouver Island and, and specifically where you are, what's, what's the predominant use, I guess, of stand-up paddleboards there? What are you seeing people, people doing? Or is it, I mean, you mentioned, you know, yoga, people are out there fishing on them, obviously, you know, just downwinders and surfing and everything. There's so many different ways that you can use a paddleboard. But in that area, in that part of the country, what's what's the, the predominant use? I think everything gets done out here. I mean, it's so beautiful on the West Coast, and we've got beautiful lakes and, and flat ocean, you know, on this side of the island, and you've got the waves on the other side. So we see we see everybody. We don't do much of the racing through our store, but there's a big racing uh, fraternity on the island, um, and we we actually ran, I think, the first race probably in Canada in Qualicum Beach in maybe 2008. Do you remember how many people came out to that first race uh, when you know you, yeah. you hold a race in 2008, two years <laughs> after sort of the the introduction of this sport? Um, tell me about that first event. Yeah, there was a good crowd. There was at least. I don't know, 20, 25 guys and girls and kids, and we didn't really know what we were doing. It just sounded like a good idea. Um, when you look at how the circuits are running now, I mean, it's, the whole race thing is a, an animal to itself. I mean, it, it mm. must have just been such a such a unique scene, you know, to see people mm-hmm. racing uh, on on stand-up paddleboards instead of just going out for, a, you know, a surf contest. Yeah, and back then the, the the paddle boards, there were no race boards. They were just all your your all round. They were really just surfboards at that point. Um, and I think that's where they evolved, where the competitive element in people going like, well, we can we can change these boards. We can we can take this standard surfboard looking thing and we can make it into a into a race board. And the, the, it's so competitive now. I mean, you look at how narrow some of these race boards are and the times the guys are getting on them. So, you know, definitely followed the, the kayaking route there, I think, with the displacement holes and stuff like that. Yeah, it really has gotten unbelievably uh, competitive and and the technology. I mean, you know, 
I come from a, uh, a cycling background and I mean, in that's that sport, there are so many different elements uh, when you look at the technology of the equipment that you're using and with paddle boards, you would think that it would be a fairly, you know, simple thing. It's, it's, it's a board floating on water, but I mean, the technology in terms of, as you mentioned, the displacement and the shaping and, and the widths and everything, it just, it, it, it has just evolved so much, hasn't it? It has, yeah. And uh, to a point where, you know, you go to the races and it's always the same people and then generally the same people winning, but a matter of having the better equipment and the better training. Right, right. Okay. Well, you know, let's let's get into uh, the the primary reason for our chat here is at this time of year, as as we mentioned, a lot of people are are looking at their plans for 2017, and you know, maybe uh, maybe they don't have a board at all, or maybe they do have a board, and they're looking at at adding uh, you know another one or something to their to their collection. So, you know, first I want to I want to talk about that sort of first timer. So, someone walks into your shop, they've seen this you know down on uh uh down at the beach or or uh, on a on a lake somewhere and they know that they want to do it maybe they've tried it at a cottage or something like that tell me about that process someone walks into your store they say hey i want to buy my first board where do you begin yeah well us living on vancouver island um and being a surf shop the question is always like are you going to take it into the waves and do you want to ride waves a lot of people you know, that, that aren't surfers go, yeah, that sounds sounds like it might be something I want to do. And then we kind of look at percentages. It's like, would you do that, you know, 10% of the time or 50% of the time or 80% of the time? And depending on their answer, we would, we would look at a board that would work for them. I still think the the all-round board, you know, with the, the surfy-type rails, either with one fin or two plus one fin, they're the best seller. You can throw the kids on there. You can throw the dog on there. You can go, you know, you're not going to be a competitive paddler, but you can go and definitely have fun and, and the whole family can have fun on that kind of board. Um, if somebody's saying, yeah, you know, I'm, not, I'm never going to go to the waves, I don't want to ride that, I'm, I'm only at, I have a, a cottage at the lake, um, or I'm going to paddle, you know, in Colican Beach on this side, then we'd possibly look at just a displacement hull, like a, an adventure type board that was wider, 30, 31 inches wide, maybe 12 11 to 12, 6, um, but it has a different rail shape that you're not going to catch waves and, and turn on, on a wave. Um, now, for, for those first-timers who, who are looking for an all-around board, um, do you recommend something a little bit shorter then, you know, 10, 6, 11, 6? What, what kind of uh, size of board do you recommend for, maybe for someone who does want something they can do everything on? Yeah, I think um, the width and thickness would be more important than the length. Um, the width giving you your stability, the thickness giving you floatability, the length is you know, probably not that important. Um, but then it would also depend on the size of the rider. Um, you, know, you have a guy comes in, he's 220 or 240 pounds, he's going to want different equipment than his wife that's maybe 135 pounds. Some people... Well, like I said, most people that come in and buy one board, families will come in within the, the next month and buy a second board because they're fighting over whose turn it is. Um, a lot of families with kids, um, a lot of people with dogs, they like to take their dog for a paddle because they saw it on TV. But yeah, I'd say that the, the average board would maybe be you know, 10, 6 to 11 foot, 30, 
31 inches by maybe four and three quarters inches thick with a single fin is all you need. If it has a couple of little tie downs on the deck that you can tie down a, a wet bag or something like that, you can take a lunch with you and, and go for a paddle. One of the things I've noticed with, with some people who decide to get into the sport but don't necessarily want to spend the money is um, they, they, I don't want to call it a mistake, but uh, you know, in a lot of cases they'll go to a department store and, and pick something up from there. Um, and the weights of these, these boards are unbelievable. They're, they're ridiculously heavy. And, you know, you start getting into almost kayak type weights or, or even heavier than that to the point where they, they really can't even put these boards on a, on a roof. So what, what type of weight should somebody be looking at for, you know, even, even for an entry level board from a, from a true, uh, surf shop or, or paddleboard shop? A paddleboard that size, even, you know, up to 11 foot shouldn't weigh more than 30 pounds, um, you know, around 20, 26 to 30 pounds, I would say. And then the other important thing is the handle shape. You've probably seen all the different types of handles on, on stand-up paddle boards. And when, when the first boards we got, they hadn't even invented a handle yet. So trying to carry that board down to the beach was pretty difficult. I mean, we had uh, we put leash plugs in into the along the rail of the board with a piece of string that you would then take the paddle handle and, and fish through the string, and you would carry the board essentially by the handle of the paddle that kind of stuck through through the board that was the only way to really get them through there or on your head. <laughs> um, but if you have a if you have a, a board that's got a nice T handle, like you can get your hand into there and you can roll the board up over your head and get it on the roof, which is a lot easier than if you didn't have a good handle. So we sell a lot of boards. Just, you know, you give them some options. I let them feel the handle, especially uh, females. You know, they've got to be able to, you know, somebody that's 135 pounds and lift that board up above their head and get it on the roof rack. So uh, I think the handle is really important there too. All right. So, you know, let's move on to uh, to someone who maybe did go and, you know, buy that uh, that 10.6 uh, uh, kind of entry-level entry level board, um, perfect board for the family. And as you say, in a lot of cases, uh, board number one is is kind of for the first person in the family. And then immediately you start looking at your second board for other people. So if someone does want to to get a second board, let's say they're going to keep that board for their kids or their significant other, Board number two, does that is that where you start to specialize, or, or where do you go? Where do you go from that I- initial board? Yeah, they're going to get around uh, playing on that first board and, and getting their feet wet and, and finding out what they want to do. And, and definitely, they're going to second board's not going to be the same as the first one. So somebody in the family, dad or mom, is going to go, "Hey, I either want to start racing." We sell a lot of adventure boards um, with all the tie downs. We've got lots of islands off offshore here. And, and people like to you know, load the gear. We've got people going camping overnight. Um, so that's a big seg- segment of the market, I think, the adventure touring. It's amazing how much weight you can put on a paddleboard, one of those touring boards as well. Uh, as you mentioned, people are camping on them, and I was fortunate enough to, to do that a little bit myself this past summer. And, I mean, you really can load it up with your you know, your cooler, your sleeping bags, your your tent, and everything you need throw everything into dry bags and, and you're good to go, right? Yeah, those boards, uh, most of them would carry, you know, 280, 300 liters. So um, normally a little wider than than your race boards, um, 32 inches maybe at the max. 
twelve six um, or even fourteen footer. Yeah, you can load that up with somebody you know over two hundred pounds, and then you've got lots of flotation. One of the things I've noticed is, you know, as the as the years go on here, we are seeing more of a used market. Um, there are starting to be more more boards coming on uh, on the, these online classified sites and and that sort of thing. But do you find that a lot of people do hang on to their boards rather than say upgrading, where they they sell what they had and get something new? Do you see a lot of people keeping them for other members of the family? Yeah, no, I'd say they hold on to them. We don't get many trade ins um, at all. Uh, more in the surf market a little bit, where you know everybody started off with big boards and then they started going smaller and smaller and smaller to a point where I think a lot of guys, including myself, even got too small. Um, and then you go like, well, this is not that easy. I mean, you, you've sacrificed the width so you don't have the stability. You've sacrificed thickness. You, you, you're battling to keep floating. You're only floating on the board as long as you're moving. At that point, you may as well just get off the stand-up paddleboard and go back onto a surfboard. So we've seen that transition of of going from bigger boards to smaller boards, and a lot of those guys are now turning around and going bigger again. And so we'll we'll get trade-ins there where they they're not going to keep that board and just want to move into something else. But in the in that first board market, that ten six to eleven, they definitely hold on to them. We're not seeing any of those coming through for trade-in. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, now for, for people who do want to get into doing some surfing, let's say that that's not going to be their primary, uh, activity on a, on a paddleboard, but if people want to just start of sort of get into surfing a little bit, what do you recommend? What do they need to know about the, the, you know, the, the boards designed for stand up surfing? Yeah. If they look at, at those boards and they look at a surfboard, you'll, you'll see the rail shapes are very similar. Um, either a, a 60-40 rail and a, and a really tucked rail at the back that's thinner. You want to be able to sink the rail when you're turning. Um, we have that conversation a lot where, where some people go, yeah, you know, I might want to go surf. And so I go, look, buy, buy an adventure-type board that you're going to use every day. And if you do want to go surf, like come into to the shop and we've got those on rental. Pick up a board, it's going to cost you 50 bucks for the day. And uh, go and try it, and you might love it, and that might be your second or third board. And if you hate it, then you know you're out for a rental, and nothing lost, nothing gained. Yeah, rather than rather than going and investing, uh, you know, a thousand dollars or something on a on a uh, more of a dedicated surfboard, right? Yeah, and if there's a lot, there's a lot to the surfing aspect. I mean, there's there's the surfers that are in the water, there's the surf etiquette that you know, you can't drop in and you've got to watch for other people. And, and so there's been issues over the years all over the world with, between surfers and stand-up paddleboard surfers. Um, so we don't normally encourage people to go that route if they have no um, training or, or no water. But it's not so much about water safety, but we've seen a lot of people, you know, they're out paddling in Edmonton or something, and they go, oh, yeah, I'm pretty hot shot at this. I can go to Tofino and... All of a sudden, I can be a surfer. Well, that takes that takes more than just catching the wave to become a surfer. You've got to you've got to read the ocean and you've got to read the waves and stuff like that. So, we'll normally, if if we get those people through the shop, I'm always trying to um, you know just give them tips and, and tell them where to go and stay out of the wave, surfers, and then just just uh, keep them safe and out of trouble. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that's, that's an issue too, is the safety factor is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're surfing in a new area that you've never been before, you don't understand what, you know, some of the, the, uh, currents are and the riptides and even some of the, the rocks and stuff, you just don't realize it's out there. I mean, safety is just so important uh, anytime you're on the water, but especially if you're, if you're surfing in a new area, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You need to, you need to have some local knowledge and, you know, even a small wave that's waist high will, if you're not used to it, will will knock you down pretty good and and hold you under. Is the is the, that relationship between uh, traditional surfers and stand-up paddleboarders who surf, uh, you know, is that getting better? Is the it, are stand-up paddleboard surfers starting to be more accepted in the surfing community? Mm, I'd have to say no, unfortunately, and and I'm. There aren't that many surfers that that crossed over to stand up paddleboarding. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I see a lot of guys that were windsurfers or kiteboarding that kind of crossed over more to the surfing side because they'd be, you know, at the beach waiting for the wind to come up, and stand up paddleboarding was a good way for them just to be able to get in the water um, where they weren't maybe previously surfers. Um, so I don't know, and I and I I do both, and it's funny I can. Just this summer, I was out on the stand-up paddleboard out in Tofino, and there were maybe three surfers and myself um, on the paddleboard. And I looked over to the one surfer, and he just put his hands up in in the air, like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> "You know, like really, like I'm nowhere near you. I haven't cut you off. It's, it's just this this attitude thing." And it still exists. It, yeah. it still exists. It's probably the same thing between snowboarders and skiers. That you know, it's been how many years that snowboarding has been on the mountain, but I still think there's animosity maybe. Uh, listen, last question for you. Um, the proper number of paddle boards. Uh, when, when is, when is enough enough? Uh, how many boards, how many boards do you think uh, in a, in a perfect world somebody needs, you know, in order to, to kind of satisfy their, uh, the, the different options out there? What's the proper number? It would depend on what you want to do. Um, you know, if you're landlocked and you're not going to go to be able to play in the waves, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, unless you're racing, you know, if you're racing, you're going to need a specific race board. Um, adventure paddling, there's another board if you want to do that. Um, you know, the guys that are running the rivers, you want to do yoga, you need a board that's 36 inches wide. So, I don't know. That's an open-ended question. You can have as many as you can afford. <laughs> as we used to say in in cycling, the proper number is n plus one, which is no. the number you have now plus one more that you want to get. Yeah, if it makes you happy, and that's where you want to spend your money, and and you're getting all the fulfillment out of life by doing that. Then, you know, if you ask me, you know, how many surfboards? Well, I've got. I, I don't even know how many I have, and and I still want more. So uh, that's the right answer, N plus one. <laughs> All right. Listen, Colin, thank you very much. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us. And if people want to check out your shop or if they find themselves uh, out your way on Vancouver Island there, what's the, the best way for people to check out what you're doing? Yeah, check out our website, islandsurfcompany.ca. We pride ourselves on being a Canadian company. Uh, we have a good online store. We ship across all across Canada. If you buy something over $50, it's free shipping. 
Or if you need something, feel free to call us uh, on our toll-free number and we'll be happy to ship anything out across Canada. Well, again, thank you very much for joining us and uh, uh, we really appreciate the time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for the call, man. Thanks for listening to the Talks Up Canada podcast. Theme song is courtesy of Arcanum Music, a website that promotes the work of small music producers. Our announcer is Josie Barkway. If you like the idea of a Canadian-focused paddleboarding podcast, please share this on social media and drop us a rating on iTunes. If you have an idea for a future episode, or if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email me at dan at talksup.ca. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, get out there and live the dash.